Welcome back, everybody. We are in an in-person interview, and we are in person with an amazing gentleman. Uh, he was the art director for Napoleon Dynamite, the cult film Napoleon Dynamite, which in Utah was a pretty big deal. I think a decent deal outside of Utah, the Dynamo. Oh, for sure. Oh, let me turn you up just a okay, little bit more. Great, great. There we go. Okay. So first, no, what was you were kind of in the middle of it since you were part of the the core team. And, Actually, let's, let's start. See, I missed this up. <laughs> <laughs> so, how, how did you get involved? Okay, so... Wait, uh, who the hell are we talking with? That's true. That's true. See? See, that's this why I have you here. <laughs> Tell who, who are we talking to? Like, I mean, is this like, is this like the, mystery guest? Okay, we have a mystery guest. Okay, the, call her. The call her. in with who you <laughs> think it's going to be. It isn't Pedro. Nope. It isn't Napoleon. Is it Dan? Is it LaFonda? No. It's Kurt Jensen. Kurt Jensen, yes. I am the behind-the-scenes Deb. I tied all the boondoggles for the boondoggle case. That's my claim to fame. <laughs> the so, boondoggle case. Yes, the boondoggle for the boondoggle case. It's pretty awesome. And recently there was a anniversary screening of the movie. And yes. you had something set up outside so of there. So I, um, when we heard that they were doing the anniversary screening over at East High School from you know, high school musical fame. We, uh, I contacted the people in charge and said, "Hey, I made all the Boondoggle keychains. Do you want me to come set up a booth?" And I sold Boondoggle keychains at the screening. It was amazing. That is one of the coolest things ever. And it was great because my girls were with me. You know, they're they. It was their chance to actually see what their dad's kind of cool. And so they had their own family. <laughs> Wait, dads. before this, your kids didn't think you're that cool. Well, maybe. A you know, you know, their dad crafts with them all the time, so they thought that was pretty awesome. <laughs> so, okay, for people that don't know, a boondoggle, okay, why were they so big in the 80s? So it was something, so I love Did you the research line, this? So I love the line in Napoleon Dynamite where it's like, I made affinity of those at scout camp. So when I was reading the script, I <laughs> I, that was the line that sold me on the show because I did make these at scout camp. So when I was reading the script and I was like looking over it, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to relearn how to make those because I'm going to have to make a whole lot of them. Did you have to get like, you know, just a, a bunch of Cub Scouts coming over to help you out? No, I started tying them a couple, like a month before the show. And then the whole time we were filming, I was just in the background tying all the Boondoggle keychains. The crew would all make fun of me like, what are you? What are you doing? And I'm like, have you not read the script? We need a buttload of these, you know, by the end. And by the end, they all wanted to help out and join in. So it was fun. That's the goal. The funniest thing, though, sorry, I'm kind of jumping around, but there was a kid that he was the, um, he helped out, like he was interning with the sound department. And he actually had his own little, like, booth at the local video store. And he would sell his own boondoggle keychains there. So it was... And his were impressive. So the giant one that I think Napoleon gives to one of the kids, the kid that gets his bike stolen, that giant one was one of the kid, the one that the kid made. So that one I actually didn't make myself. But. Dang! The kid's got skill. He has very good skills, yes. That's right. So did you always want to go into film? So I, I actually really wanted to go into theater, um, but I couldn't really justify, like making a life as a theater actor 
So when I was uh, going into school, I studied set and costume design at BYU, because that way I was still getting like the theater education, but I was still doing something practical. Um, so I did all the set and costume design class classes for film and for theater. And then on graduation day, I'm standing in my cap and gown out in front of the Dion Concert Hall down at BYU. And one of my, my, my students, turns to, one of the students who was graduating turns to me and he's like, hey, I'm working on a film this summer. Do you want to come work on it with me? I'm like, sure. <laughs> and the rest is history. So yeah, that's how I got hired to Napoleon. That's cool. But it was funny because like when I told my wife it was Napoleon Dynamite, she was like, what, what's this movie about? And I was like, I don't know, probably some boring documentary. You know, because with the name Napoleon, you don't know. Yeah. So then, you know, I read the script and I was, I was sold. So did, did you, you and Jared work closely to create create that world? Or was a lot so, of it um, Idaho? So a lot of it is, so it's very much, so Jared went to high school up in Preston. And so a lot of it was just his vision of, this is what, it was funny, at um, Sundance, the number one question that they got from people was what time period is this show set in? And so that was one of the reasons why in the title sequence, after, after it was purchased from Fox, Fox Searchlight, they added in that whole intro sequence with all the different you know, food items. And there's a, a student ID that actually has the year on it. So that was one of their ways of helping drive home that it's contemporary, it's not some retro piece that you're watching. Gotcha. And now with the Disney purchase of Fox, you're a Disney movie now. I Yes, I guess we are a Disney movie. You're going to be popping up on Disney Plus any day now. <laughs> <laughs> I did not think about that, but that's amazing. So uh, let, let's break down what you created for the show as our director. You did the opening credits, right? I actually, so my work was all completely on the film. I oh, didn't, okay. Um, the opening credits were created after the show was purchased. Okay. Uh, so as an art director, I'm essentially the assistant for the production designer. The production designer was Corey Lorenzen, and he's gone on to work on amazing things like the Goldbergs, that's all him, and uh, so he's done a lot of great stuff. Um, so I was his assistant, but we, you know, together, um, I would help him with pretty much anything. Uh, so in high school, I was a cheerleader and that was my way of being artsy at school so I would make all the cheerleading posters and locker signs so I was able to you know lend my expertise on that so all the locker signs and posters throughout the school you <laughs> Steve's see got a question. did you make the vote for Pedro signs I actually did not so <laughs> uh, come on Kurt John Heater himself Napoleon he was an animation student so he drew all the vote for Pedro, Pedro signs himself so that's uh, a. <laughs> You're breaking Steve's heart. I know, I'm breaking your heart. Were you relished to What's Her Butt that, that ran against Pedro? Uh, so, Summer Wheatley? Yeah, did you did you have to do Summer Signs? <laughs> that one was made by Corey Lorenzen. I'm just breaking your heart on all of these things. <laughs> well, I'm glad because she was kind of. She didn't deserve your skills. Oh, well, so, you. I'm just saying, like, yeah, definitely didn't deserve. Yeah. But it was, you know, it was so much fun to actually, you know, work on a film. Like, I didn't really think it was going to go anywhere. Because, I mean, when you're working on it, you know, you're just like, yeah, okay, this is fun. But, and then when it got picked up and became the big thing that it is, it, you know, it was a fun 15 minutes of fame. But how tense is it, like, to come up with different backgrounds? 
like when you're on set, were you like s still like always evolving right before the takes, like trying to move things or add things? So um, a lot of the sets were um, just local people's homes. So we would come in and sometimes we would, you know, add extra pieces that we had found the DI up there or something that we had brought with. For instance, like the home that we filmed in, we kept a lot of the furnishings that were there, but we did bring up our own things. So we needed like a big console television. So that was my parents from my parents' house growing <laughs> up. So I brought that up to Idaho with us. Um, the tetherball pole, that was, um, they needed that. And that was my mom's that we had up in our cabin. So you used was, your mom's tetherball. Yes. That's and like a pinnacle scene at the it's end. It's a very pinnacle scene. And yeah, so if you, it's, it's actually, uh, my parents still have the tetherball pole and it's in holiday, probably not far from your house. Oh, there you we go. can never like wash that tetherball. Yes. The, like never clean that. That thing's famous. <laughs> you, you should get it sealed and put it into a case somewhere. They have an amazing uh, sculpture that I've seen at the Fox studio a lot that, that has Napoleon holding a tetherball. So it's been, you know, immortalized and... They actually did make a collectible figure that came with the tetherball pole. So that was okay, pretty that, amazing. Okay, that's pretty legit. Yeah. I think that's pretty amazing. It was amazing. It's, it was fun to watch all of those types of things. And uh, the funniest thing, when they made the, the cartoon version of Napoleon, it was fun to see like all the handwriting in the classrooms that was mine from like up on the screen. So the handwriting that said like Happy Hands Club, that was me. And it was funny to see that Fox like copied my handwriting for the cartoon. So, yeah. You should be getting a commission off of that. I should, you would think. Yeah. At least a credit. Yeah. I... The... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need a, maybe we could start a, you know, a campaign for that. That would be amazing. A we petition. Should. We should. <laughs> All right. We, we could start doing that. So you started with Napoleon. It's all downhill after that. Well, so I, like, for that me, was like it was success. like a, it was just a one, one, one and done. done thing. I got paid for my time up there, and I came home, and then I just was like, okay, I'll go into corporate America and just get a job. And I didn't really try to get into any other film things after that. I just did the one thing and then got right into graphic design. And what, what type of places have you worked at? So, Has um, been uh, craft type stuff? No. So my first job was for a direct mail agency. And it was like <laughs> we were making junk mail that you send out for um, proprietary schools. And it was, um, it was so funny. That was like when I first learned, like, you know, you guys always ask, you know, what does creativity mean to you? And for them, it literally, was, it literally was, it literally was, um, let's find a new medical student picture to put on this direct mail piece. Like they would say, think out of the side of the box for a new mail campaign. And I would come back and I'd be like, okay, this is my idea. We're going to do it. And it's going to be like a teen magazine, you know, the, um, the quiz that you fill out. And at the end, there's going to be a little thing that tell them to come to school. And they'd be like, oh, well, we were just meeting like a new picture of a new nurse to go on the, you know, and I'm like, oh, you didn't mean really outside of the box. It was, let's just, think. Just inside that box with that thing. Let's redecorate inside that box right there. So I did that. So that was where I, um, 
That was when my first job. Then I moved over to a, a logo design agency where I worked with your brother, Jordan. Yeah. Um, and I worked there for a while designing logos. And then when I got bored, for me, when I get bored and I cre uh, professionally, that's when I start doing things on my own creativity, cre creatively. Uh, so my wife was writing for a scrapbook magazine. She was doing instructions for projects that they put in the magazines. So I would see all these cool like scrapbook layouts and cards that people were sending to our house for her to write about. So I learned all about the scrapbook industry that way. And then um, the two of us decided, let's start our own card making company. So I designed our own papers and I designed all the things that go with it. And we sold our stuff on Etsy. It didn't go anywhere, but at least gave me a portfolio piece. So when I decided to, that I was done with, you know, the boring, you know, regular type of work, I was able to then get jobs within the, uh, the scrapbook industry. How was it working with my brother? Oh, Jordan was great. <laughs> Jordan was great. We had a lot of fun. Um, the thing that was crazy, so we worked at LogoWorks. They had a, as far as that company goes, um, it kind of had a bad rap in the graphic design industry because we were making logos that were like super affordable for people. And so the graphic design industry was like, you're make, selling people a logo for only 300 bucks. Like that. Oh, you can go that of. high? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so, um, but it was fun. It was a great way of uh, like, we would work on like six to 10 original logos a day. And it was, I mean, it was just, you were cranking things out and you had to be creative full time. You really didn't have any downtime there. So it was a great way to try out new styles. And that was one of the things that I loved was that you could, I had a, a catalog for one of the, a stamp company, like a rubber stamp company. And they had all of these different styles from like super cutesy to like really woodsy. And I don't know, like what's the like toll painting style. Like yeah. they had all of these crazy styles. And so when I would get into a place where I didn't know what to do, I would open up the catalog and I would point to a random stamp and I'd be like, I'm going to design a logo that looks that, like it's done in that style. And so it gave me a chance to try all kinds of different styles. What, to you, what makes an ideal logo? Or I mean, like what's the most creative or what would be like the epitome of this is the dream logo and here's the background of it. What, what makes that for you? I love logos that you can like break apart, that you can use the icon by itself and it will like, it's recognizable by on its own. Um, or, you know, something that works well in one color as well as like multiple colors. Cause when you're doing things like for embroidery or you're doing like silk screening, silk screening on a shirt, you can't always do like a full color you know, like if it's got crazy gradients or anything like that, you can't always do that on a silk screen. So that was always nice to, like that's how my approach always to logos is to, you know, can I do it in one color and can I do it in multicolors? Um, yeah, we make sure it good looks good in black. That yeah, would, that's absolutely that's like the first big step. <laughs> they have to all look good on black. Yeah, in black. Yeah. And one of the things when I was working uh, with Jordan, um, we I was I moved over to the marketing side, 
and we were always coming up with new ways like how do we sell something how do we do these things and we were always seeing that um, Google was always doing their holiday logos so I came up with the term like let's holidize your logo so we came up with a way of like how can we you know market to our existing customer base and hey come back and we will put a holiday spin on your logo we'll holidize it for you so my own personal logo, I've been able to do that. So I have like a pencil in my personal logo and I will holidayize it with like a candy cane or a carrot or, you know, a firework depending on the season. But so I love doing that side of things too. Nice. You, you started to talk about, you know, then you went into scrapbooking and you started to look at all these textures and paper. Um, how do how did you come on what's the best paper to use? Like, the, I gotta imagine there's like thousands of different textures and thousands of different types of papers. There is, and so um, in the scrapbook industry, like the big thing, um, like when my wife was writing, the big thing was this brand called Basil Basics. And Basil was like, it was a nice um, paper that was, it had a texture to it, but it was a solid color and it was, a milled paper so it wasn't white in the center so when you work with it and you fold it you don't get like the white creases when you fold it and things so that kind of the milled paper is awesome for you know paper crafting um, and so there are a lot of other companies that have been doing that since and so that's my favorite kind of paper to use for paper crafts um, but then you can get into like the uh, you know the printed papers as well um, that you know, obviously you can't. Anyway, yeah. So example, you've got a, a few examples here on the table. So like the, the Grover has um, some textured um, papers. Yeah, so this, uh, so I have this Grover image if you're listening to if the podcast. If you're listening, you're just going to have to maybe someday <laughs> look at a picture. We, we, we might have the video of this. So I have this on my uh, Instagram account as well. But so this is an example of the milled paper. So it's got a texture. Um, on one side and it's kind of flat on the other. Um, but I love the, the depth that the textured paper gives. It actually works for the Muppet, you know, that it yeah. kind of gives like the look of the fur. Um, yeah, you put the nose in front of the, the top of the head so the mouth is more sunken back. Yeah. Awesome. But yes. Yeah, so How long would something like this take to make? Um, so this one, this was a, like I, I don't really even time myself on stuff like that. This was just because something... you're so fast. No. So I'm I mean, not. like by the time by the time like they start, you're done. Well, I, I wish it happened that fast. Like so, this one I did um, as a just as a uh, a fun gift for my daughter. Her favorite character is Grover on um, the Muppets, and so uh, she had done a report on Grover Cleveland for school, and she dressed up as a puppeteer and had Grover there as her little spokesperson to do the thing. <laughs> and she wrote a rap to a Tex Richmond song from the Muppets. So instead of I'm Tex Richmond, it was I'm Grover Cleveland. And it was amazing. She sang this song over and over and over again. So this was my gift to her to, you know, say great job on a wonderful report. Did you always have a love of paper? Like even as a kid? I, I like, did actually. So my mom always will talk about how I loved pop-up cards as a kid. And um, she would buy me these books that would show how to do pop-up cards and I would make them all the time. So yeah, paper's always been a thing that I've loved working with. 
and then the the pinata guy here that's the the flat paper you're talking about yeah so this one um this is an example of just like you know patterned scrapbook paper this paper i actually printed at home um so now one of the things that's been fun with uh with the internet now is like there are companies that you can do uh, print at home projects. So this is a print at home project for, that's on my website. Um, so if people wanted to see your website, what, yeah. where do they go? It's cutpastecelebrate.com. So uh, you can cut things out, you can paste it together and then celebrate with your family. So that's where cut paste celebrate That being came said, from. graphic design is not cut and paste. It's not it's actually. Not. Uh, so with this though, um, doing print at home projects as a kid, I loved doing like the, um, making my own things, but I hated like how it looked when you would print things out at home. Like it never looked right when you printed it at home. It always looked homemade. Uh, but the main thing that I've learned with doing home projects is that it all comes down to the paper that you're using and the printer and your printer settings. How fast, like, has technology changed just in the last 10 years, 20 years? It's, it's changed a lot. The scrapbook industry has had huge changes. Um, and scrapbooking isn't as big as it used to be. Um, but it still is a big deal. Uh, but it is finding, you know, the things, like, there are the crafters out there and they're using products in ways that we, you know, wouldn't have thought of, you know, 20 years ago. Um, yeah, stamping kind of died out for a while, but stamping has come back as a big trend. Uh, yeah. The, the makers communities are getting pretty big and oh, it kind of yeah. falls into that. There's even a TV show making it on a network about yeah. crafting and stuff. And that, I think that's where we kind of really connected because I, I knew of you because of my brother. Yes. But then I think we started connecting on that show a little bit. We did. And so with making it, um, it's funny you should mention that because uh, one of the people I work with a lot is uh, Amber Kempkerstale. She was on season one. She was a finalist on season one. So she has her own like printable stationary company. And so she will, uh, she ropes me in all the time on all the projects that she's doing. So if she ever needs like a 3D project, I'm the one to create that for her. And then she will, you know, market it and put it out there. But it, yeah, it's amazing the, the, how the maker community is becoming such a big thing. And I think there's a, like a kid competition on HBO. Yeah, there's Craftopia on HBO. And they were doing... That start out with kids, and I heard they're going to be doing an adult season pretty soon. Usually happens the other way. They do the, the uh, yeah. They started with the kids <laughs> first, and now they're going into the adult side. Like, yeah. let's see these adults <laughs> kill each other. I know. Let's, let's see how violent they get. Oh, my family watches a uh, worst uh, worst chefs in America. <laughs> Ooh, that gets ugly. <laughs> how would you describe your illustration style? So that was, so when I started out in the um, graphic design community, it was really hard because I would see all these. So since I studied set and costume design, your main thing with that is um, every project that you're doing is for a different time period, is for a different style of art. Um, so you might be doing a Shakespeare play that's set in the 1940s with a like Mooka style like art nouveau or you could be doing something that's like japanese inspired so 
one of the things that I liked with my background was that, yes, I got all the art training, but all of my projects were focused in different styles every single time. So when I got into doing logo design, that was one of the things that I kind of took a pride in was that I could open up the stamp catalog and point to a thing and copy that style. Um, so that's one of the things that's been, I think, helpful for me was that I didn't have like, this is my style. It's only been recently when I've started making projects for myself to sell on my website that I've actually been able to hone in on a style. Um, but as far as I, I feel that as a graphic designer or just a designer in general, you do need to be able to adjust your style to match the need, needs of your customer. Yeah. Yeah, because I noticed with your cut base celebrate kind of has a, a, a feel to it. Yeah. my I would say that my, my style is definitely, um, it's cutesy, it's uh, bright, it's colorful. Um, so yeah, anytime I do something for myself, I love having the bright, colorful and, look to it. And you and your family are cra craft all the time. Like COVID, you guys are probably in heaven just locked inside. You know, COVID was actually really, uh, it was fun for us. So we opted to keep our kids home from school. Uh, we set up a classroom in our basement. We called it Butler Academy because my kids go to like, their, <laughs> their school's name is Butler. Uh, so we, um, we had school at home. We would do themed days where we would dress up. So it would be like Harry Potter day and we would all wear, you know, our Harry Potter shirts. And then at lunchtime, we would have some Harry Potter twist on our food we would like order in, you know, like butter beer that we could have at lunchtime. So it was one of those things like, I know for some people that got stir crazy being home, but for us, like we had a blast with it. And, uh, but, and so, but that's where the printable crafts actually came into play really a lot was, you know, people are home, they have their kids at home. So these printable projects were something that you could do at home with your kids. So I did do several projects that people could download for free that they could do at home with their kids. And it was fun to see people tagging me in their posts so I could see, you know, this is what they're made with their kids this weekend. <laughs> Are there any habits that you, you found during COVID that you want to keep? Like as things, whatever, go back to normal, when that happens, whatever that is, is there stuff that you hope doesn't change that you, you keep well, from those experiences? So one thing that was interesting, um, so I have worked in the scrapbook industry for, I don't know, 15 years or something like that. And I had quit my full-time job like in November just before COVID started. And so I'd been working home for a couple months before lockdown started. So like I think like having been working from home now for over a year, like it's been, I don't really, I don't really want to go back to a desk job. <laughs> Cause it is nice. Like it is nice that I am home that I can go over and help my kids. Like before COVID started, I could go over to school in the morning with my kids or I could pop over and, you know, have lunch with one of them. Um, so as a dad, it was, it's amazing. And it is fun that the kids can come in and be like, dad, what are you working on today? Or, you know, they, you know, they, I mean, we called my office, the principal's office. <laughs> so they could, you know, if they got in trouble, they could come up to my office, but more than not, they would just come up and, you know, craft along with me. So I'm uh, for dry bar comedy. I'm working from home and it's, it's, it's a bit to get used to. It is, but I go down there once a week, but it, 
I, I think it's helping me, you know, get more organized and build rituals so it feels like it's something instead of, what should I do now? What should I do now? It's, 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 it's interesting. Um, not sure where I was going with that. Yeah, see, <laughs> you both are productive. Me, I just show up and I'm not really productive when I'm at work. So I just <laughs> eat chocolate and sugar cookies and that, that's my work. So, I mean, hey, you're taste testing. It's great. Yeah, that's totally what I do. I mean, <laughs> that's like all I only do. So, yeah, I only taste. But but you're the PR man. You, you chat up people. You chat up partners to work with. Sure. Yeah. And I eat chocolate. And you've got this new marketing. I need to do going. that from home. I just need to eat. So what I should be doing <laughs> is taking the chocolates home and just eating them there. Yeah. That we could work here. It actually, it here. might be more productive if I'm not here. I think the shop <laughs> would actually carry on a lot better <laughs> if I'm not around. Well, that's between you and them. <laughs> Whatever you figure out. It's a, it's a given. <laughs> it's a totally a given. <laughs> yeah, Dylan. Oh, Steve. Uh, what artists, who particular artists inspire you? Growing up for me, it was like Mad Magazine and stuff like that. So I, so I was trying to think. So. Growing up, I was really, I remember in junior high school, like the movie Dick Tracy came out. Yeah. And that stylized comic book look was just amazing. So I remember like doing like lab reports in junior high school (laughs) and I'd have this like crazy decorated cover that, you know, was... I spent more time on the cover than Wasn't I did Madonna on the... Wasn't Madonna in that movie? Oh, yeah, and that's okay, when I... So that's the only reason you watched this movie was Madonna. Well, maybe, yeah. I mean, I became obsessed with Madonna afterwards, but... Um, okay. But, yeah, so Dick Tracy was a big one. I don't even know who, you know, was the look and style of the film, but, um, uh, but then once I started to get into graphic design, uh, Shag, Josh Agel, he... Is amazing. He's got yeah. a great tiki look. I love his his stuff is hand painted, but it looks like it's vector artwork. Yeah, and, and, um, and printed. But it's... Yeah, but then you know, since then, you know, Tad Carpenter. He's been a big influence on me, as well as uh, Jared Mariama. I think is his name. He's a uh, he does a lot of Disney artwork. Oh, okay. Um, my backpack that's sitting over there. That's a Jared Mariama backpack. So. Okay. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen that style. I follow, follow some Disney yeah. vlogs. And, I'm sure yeah. you've, if you follow Disney, you've seen his <laughs> stuff. So That's awesome. Okay, tell us about this, the, the soda you brought us. Um, so one of the projects, so I, um, I've always been fascinated with like flavored sodas and things. So one year for uh, the for New Year's, we went and bought a whole bunch of different flavored sodas, and we had like a ta- drink tasting with the kids. Um, and since then, it's kind of become a New Year's Eve tradition with my family. So we, the one year we wrapped the labels around them so that they were mystery flavors, so you didn't know what it was. Um, and then we started, I don't know, randomly we tied it in with the game Clue. And so you know, with uh, COVID and things, I was like, hey, this is a fun you know, projects you can do at home to have like a mystery movie night where you have like watched the movie Clue and you can, you know, do a mystery drink tasting at the same time. And people can buy this kit from you. Yeah. So this is a, a it's a PDF that you can purchase. It's three ninety nine. It has all the drink labels that come with it. And then I have a scorecard that you can, that tells you when 
to drink the drinks and when to and then you can like you know guess what the flavor is and and then at the end of the movie you take the label off and you can you know see if you're right or not so it's uh it's amazing it's fun so what's your favorite soda what's my favorite soda well i mean i'm a coke guy vanilla coke is my drink of choice uh but there is i don't know if you know there's a, a store in sandy called the root beer store okay and it's amazing. It's kind of like Rocket Fizz that's down at the Gateway. Uh, but the root beer store, they have like a whole wall of just root beers and all these different flavors. You can join the Root Beer of the Month Club. I feel like I should be getting, you know, paid to they be. They need a, to be giving you endorsements. I know, right? Please. But I love going in there, like when I do a project like this, to go in and be like, hey, I need, you know, six different colored, you know, flavors. So I will go in and I will, you know, look at all their wall. They have more than just root beer. That's where I got these drinks here. Um, but uh, like last time we played the game, like it was for my friend's birthday. He lives in Florida. So I made one of these for him and shipped it to him. And then we played. How did it ship? It shipped great. Like I had it like all packaged in and came to him all in one piece. And then we played, you know, this drinking game over Skype with him. So we had all the same drinks at home. Um, but it's fun to mix in. That's actually it's cool, fun to mix man. in awesome. some gross ones with you know the the good ones. <laughs> okay, are there gross ones in these? There's only one that's maybe questionable for you guys. I don't know. I don't know. It could be good. It could not be. But so when we played with you're poisoning us. No, I'm not poisoning you. It'll be all right. Well, my brother gave us one time for a birthday. <laughs> he gave us a, a ranch flavored soda. What? And that one was by far the worst thing I've ever tasted. Where the hell do you find a ranch-flavored soda? They sell it down at Rocket Fizz. They sell it at the... <laughs> okay, yeah, these guys totally need to endorse oh, yeah. you. But then, uh, so last time we played it for Colonel Mustard, we actually bought mustard-flavored soda. Um, no way. But I, I, didn't, I didn't give that to you guys, so you guys are okay. safe. Okay. I'm a little leery. I may have to do this with employees <laughs> around and then just be like, okay, try this. Here, Steve, have, have somebody else wa- to wash down your palate. It's two. It's a uh, you know one percent. You know. <laughs> oh my gosh. So yeah, he made a, a milk carton. It has Napoleon and it's got his face and. Yeah. So this milk carton, I think it did this you know in conjunction with the uh, anniversary party of Napoleon Dynamite. So you can print out this one percent milk carton at home and then put it together. Um, and you can fill it with your favorite milk-flavored candies, I guess. Are you saying I'm fat and that's why I need the 1%? <laughs> is because, I mean, I thought I could drink. I'm okay that I could, could have whole milk. You could be drinking whole if you wanted. Yes. I see you're drinking 1%. Is that because you think you're fat? Because you're not. You could drink whole if you really wanted to. <laughs> I, I love that line. The funny thing is, so that um, they actually so those milk cartons come from gossner farms up in uh, logan i think it is um and they did not have a one percent milk carton and so um corey lorenzen the production designer he actually made a wrap to go around i think the whole milk container so That's the one that you're awesome. seeing on screen is actually fake they do sell one percent milk cartons now that you can order from their website yeah, because they're uh, big. They're popular now. I know. You totally need it. The, they did have root beer flavored milk, though, in cartons back in the day. So, again, come bring it back to the root beer store. Oh, my gosh. So. That's, yeah. Okay. That just, well, I guess it would be like a root beer float. It milk. would. It really would be. Man, why didn't we die younger? I mean, like, the things <laughs> that, like, we had as growing up, like, it's amazing we made it this far. I know. <laughs> 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> See, <laughs> Dylan might not make it after this. <laughs> He's definitely Dylan, not you're good. Make it <laughs> I'm still getting over the mustard flavor. Uh, yeah, drink break. What's next? What's next? Um, yeah, I. Uh, so I have cut, paste, celebrate that I do projects for myself. Um, a lot of my Instagram following are crafters. So I will do digital cut files that they can cut out with their Cricut machines and their Silhouette machines. Um, those are amazing home die cutting machines. Um, so yeah, so if you follow me, I will have the projects free for 24 hours and then it's only $1.99 after that. And they can um, follow you on like all the social media too? Yeah, uh, Cut, Paste, Celebrate on Instagram, on Facebook, on Pinterest. So yeah. It's awesome. Which of those platforms do you think is the most beneficial for you? So I don't really see much. Uh, like Facebook is kind of, I don't really see a lot of traction from Facebook. Most of my interaction with people is through um, is through Instagram. Did you, um, why do you think that? And I, I mean, this question I ask because even myself, I ask what, what's the best social media for a chocolate shop? And it's, I love to hear why people choose the different outlets that they do. So I, and I've had this conversation a lot with my wife. She personally love, likes Facebook because the, the mom community at school is on there. So she can be in contact with her, the mom friends from school and also the, the friends from, you know, when she was in school as well. Um, but as far as Instagram goes, that's where all of the, in my opinion, the crafters are that like to make the projects and show them off themselves. So it is a very, they, it's a very uplifting community. They like to, um, follow people to get inspired, but they also like to, um, show off their own work. Is Pinterest the same as that or no? Pinterest to me has become, in my own opinion, it's become just like, a just a, a, a large commercial like anything is just trying to get you to get on somebody's site to buy something um so it didn't used to be that way like when I started posting stuff on Pinterest like I would get a lot of traction to my website from there but it there's so much on there now it's hard to really get noticed I feel I use it like for um mood boards like if I'm yes, working on a project I, for you sure know, I for me as a mood board for of that project for sure when i so i mean with us the chocolate's obviously a visual thing and and i think like with yours you know definitely that's probably why instagram's better yes is i mean you can only be so funny on facebook but it's like i mean as far as like the visuals yeah i think yeah i think instagram is really important and it's it's become that way for a lot of companies I would, I think so. I mean, I know that you, you guys interviewed a, a social media guru not too long ago. Oh yeah. Uh, Cle Cleo. Yeah. yeah. And I know that she was, she was talking about how, you know, the, the differences of the different platforms. And, and I do feel like, um, Chloe. Chloe. Yeah. Chloe. <laughs> I, I like Instagram because of the, the visual side of things. Um, and I don't really, I don't know. I know that I could get into, I know that YouTube has become really big with, crafters you know making tutorials on how they are putting things together i just don't have the time to and you don't want to give away your together. secrets yeah but do you see that as a threat like dylan's saying is giving away your secrets or do you see it as 
beneficial for maybe what you're doing, anybody could do. They just aren't going to take the time to do it. I think, I do think that at tutorial wise, like it would be good to learn. Like it would be fun to do videos to show off, like, you know, how you're using a product a certain way. Or, um, I don't really feel like, especially with what I'm doing, like if I'm assembling, you know, this, uh, you know, pinata, like, showing how to assemble it and you know the tools i'm using i don't think that's really going right. to give or if I don't there's think, a partnership with like yeah cutter or something yeah that'd be another like i have those arguments with us and and trying to show stuff on on um youtube yeah. or like how to make a chocolate and how to do those and you know i, I was always really protective and just like oh we need to protect this and this and this and i kind of my dad used to always say nobody's dumb enough to do it. Like, like we're the dumb ones and like, we're the ones that like are going to put all the effort into it. Cause it's really time. Like, um, it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of work. And he's like, even if everybody has the exact recipes, nobody's going to really sit there and do yeah. it. And so like, I've kind of lately I've noticed like a lot of the local chocolate shops or there's some of them that I'm really close with. And it, I find that, we collaborate a lot and I'm oh, not yeah. so afraid of like the secrets or of this or that. And it's like, I will call them to get advice on different making stuff. But I think YouTube would totally be a hit. Well, so the one thing I found though, uh, so there was a lady that I worked with and the one day I posted, it was, I had done a, a 3d Barbie for one of my daughters and um, she did a 3D Ken doll right so after. I, I posted online like pictures of the Barbie that I made and then I showed like what the cut files looked like and like the next day at work one of my coworkers was like, oh thanks for that, I made that Barbie this weekend. And I was like, what do you mean you made it this weekend? And she's like, oh yeah, you posted it and I just made it at home. I'm like, so she had taken my artwork that I had posted and then like ripped it off on her it's computer at home. So I've become wary of actually posting like the dye lines that I'm using because I mean, really like. So when you sell a kit, how do you do that? So when I sell a kit, um, I will, I'll show a picture of like the final image. Um, and then when you purchase it, so in the instance of like a, 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 like one of the cut files here, like this pinata, like I will sell it as a PDF so you can buy it and print it at home. Okay. Uh, the PDF is, uh, like the layers are locked. So if you try to open it up in Photoshop or Illustrator, you're it not do it. taking, you can't rip off my artwork there, but you can print it off on any of your PDA, PDF things. Um, but, and then with the digital cut files, um, I'll show again on my website what the fi final image looks like. Um, you don't actually get to see what the cut files look like until you purchase it. I think that's awesome. Speaking of sharing, you and your daughter have been on TV recently, Channel 4. <laughs> channel 4. So a funny thing. So Channel 4, um, my daughter, when she was two years old, watched the movie Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Yeah. And she fell in love with Sam Sparks, the meteorologist. And so she decided at the age of two she was going to be a meteorologist. And then when she was five, Channel 4 had a weather kid contest. And they wanted like kids eight and up to, you know, send in an audition tape so they could come and do the weather live on TV. <laughs> and we're like, I know she's only five, but this is her dream. So we sent off a video and they called us the next day 
So she's uh, at five started going on Channel 4 to be, you know, do the weather live there. And they've brought her back multiple times. Um, and then a couple of weeks ago, she went into Channel 4 and did like a job shadow with them because she's still really serious about this uh, meteorology <laughs> thing. So, but, uh, but we do have, um, we have a friend who is friends with one of the Good Things Utah hosts. And so they were looking for, you know, segments for Good Things Utah. So they had me come on for Valentine's Day and Mother's Day doing showing off projects. And then my daughter, she writes books now. And uh, so she went on and was a guest talking about her books that she has, which she'll be at Craft Lake City. If any of you are out there going to come to that, yeah, that she'll be selling question. her books. Do you guys do crafting shows? She will do the, so we've, uh, the nice thing is as a kid, you can, the entry fees are like, slim to none so there's really no like entry fee for her so craft lake city i don't even i think it was like 20 dollars to apply for her and then she gets a booth for the day and you know she just can go in and sell whatever um so it's awesome for her to go out and to you know sell these books and she likes having a graphic designer dad because i can lay out her books for her in you know in design <laughs> and uh so it's and make it look legit. Um, yeah, she said that in an interview that she loves having her dad. Oh yeah, with her dad. Oh yeah, it's fun. So yesterday, so she's she's going to um, she's going to a writers camp next week. So we've said that if she wants to have a new book at Craft Lake City, she has to get it finished before she goes to writers camp next week. So we've been working on our new book. We were doing that yesterday and getting the cover all situated. And anyway, it's pretty awesome. It's. I am so glad to meet you. This is way oh, cool. Oh, thank you. Well, it's funny when I was like looking through past people that you've interviewed. I'm like, those guys are pretty amazing. How do I fit into this whole thing? But it's no, uh, you're sure. amazing. Oh, incredible. thank you. So you're you're totally amazing. Well, thank but you. I haven't had the poison drink yet, so I might. <laughs> so depending You'll change on your opinion yeah, afterwards. we'll see after I drink that. <laughs> Should we do bonus questions? Unless yeah. There's anything else you guys want to cover let's go for it all right the first one is what does creativity mean to you so creativity to me is uh, I mean you can be creative in pretty much anything um, so for me it is putting your own twist on whatever you're doing and making it your own so you know like when I'm doing an illustration for scrapbook um, you know people there's people have illustrated you know school supplies gazillion times but you know how do I make it my own and so that's that's what I feel creativity is. Awesome. Well, we, we know your daughter's favorite Muppet is Grover, but yes. who's your favorite Muppet so, and why? So I had this conversation with my family, and obviously we know that um, Marianne, my oldest, hers is Grover. Um, so my personal, so growing up, I, it's always been Kermit because like Kermit was like, he got the best of both worlds. He was on Sesame Street as well as with the Muppet, Muppets. So I always was so excited when I would see, you know, the the, the news flash come through with Kermit on Sesame yeah. Street. <laughs> I guess I was a little starstruck there. But then my other favorite is Sam the Eagle. Um, I, I love I love him. He is. I love how he's so patriotic about everything. And in like the uh, Christmas Carol, when he's like, it's the American way, uh, Sam. Oh, sorry. It's the British way. Like <laughs> it's he's amazing. Oh, I love his sarcasm. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I'll be watching the Muppet Show on uh, Disney Plus. It's it's been fun. 
Oh, that's awesome. Have you been watching the new Muppet Babies at all? No. I I don't want to tarnish my memories of the old show. And Disney Plus, where is it? <laughs> so the fun thing with the, uh, the Muppet Babies, so my daughters are huge into the Muppet Babies show. And they have a smaller group of Muppets on the show than when we were little. But it is fun because they will have, like, guest appearances of some of the others. And so, like, Sam the Eagle made an appearance a couple weeks ago as a baby. Um, oh, okay. I, Statler yeah. and Waldorf live next door, and okay, they have a balcony <laughs> that looks into the play, play yard. So they'll heckle the... Even as kids. That's it's amazing. Funny. Yeah. It's right. Now that I know those three are in there, I'm, I'm going to check it out. And then last, in the movie of your life, who would you like to play you? <laughs> so I asked my kids this question, who would play me? And of course, you know, my life would be a musical because I'm a musical theater person. So my daughter's answer for me was that it would be Ethel Merman. You know, she would be playing me. Uh, so, uh, but I was trying to think of like, who would play me? Um, and like, as a plus size guy, like there's not a whole lot of actors to choose from, but I would pick, um, oh dang, he played Beetlejuice on Broadway. He also played... Um, he played Jack Black in the School of Rock musical, and now his oh. name is just Alex Brightman, I think is his name. He's amazing. I'm going to have to look him up. Yeah. He's, so the cool thing about this guy, so he played Beetlejuice on Broadway, and he has this like cool thing that he can do with his voice where he can hold his vocal cords a certain way to make his voice kind of have this like weird unearthly ringing sound so can you do that too? i can't do that oh, come on but so listening i listened to an interview with him and he said you know if he were to you know eight shows a week you know do this he would ruin his voice if he didn't have this specific thing to wow it's amazing what this guy can do with his voice wow. so he could definitely you know be a crafter so he can be you yeah he could be me for sure and what's the name again alex brightman alex brightman okay well, that's what we got. Well, thank that's you. A, that's what we got. Thank you. So once again, where can they see you, uh, your stuff online? Cut, Pace Celebrate on all platforms as well as uh, cutpacecelebrate.com. Do you do commissions or anything like that? Or you uh, yeah, you can contact me if you want to do a commission um, or, you know, if you have an idea of a cut file you would like to see happen, you know, yeah, shoot me, a, shoot me an email. Awesome. Or message him on... Yeah, message me on Instagram. That's Instagram. how you... Yeah, that's where we talk. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. This has been thank fun. You. Thank you, thank you. Bye, everybody. Woo, woo. The podcast is done, man. <laughs>
Stitch it, felt it, paint it, beat it, dough it, dye it, embroider it, solder it, hotter it. Uh, let's go walking. Uh, let's get talking. Let's craft talk, craft talk. You can build me whatever you want. Now make it, make it, make it, make it faster, 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 faster. Work through the pain, work it through the pain. Now make it, make it, make it, make it faster, 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 faster. Cherish these moments, I can't wait to see it. Build it fast, build to last, when the need, place a bead, rubber stamp my number, cause I wanna get your tips. Look for sales in town, take them home, move them around. Love it when it shines, wanna make it mine. You make stuff that I desire. Cherish these moments, I know that 